0: Most often, the brightest smiles come from those who have struggled the most. Let's open up and talk about what's really going on behind the smile. And sometimes, it's okay to fake it until we make it. I'm Bonnie Woodrick. Join me to gain insight on how many of us hide behind the smile to get through painful and difficult times. My podcast is a safe place where others can share their stories and discuss how opening up rather than hiding behind a smile, allows for growth and happiness. Claire Anderson is a certified meteorologist from Seattle, Washington. Claire graduated from the University of Washington in 2012 with a degree in communications. While going to school at UW, she was very involved with her sorority, Delta Gamma, and leadership programs. During Claire's last two years of college, she lost her father and sorority sister to suicide. In the past eight years, Claire has worked at TV stations around the West Coast forecasting the latest weather conditions from blizzards to heat waves. Now back home in Seattle, Claire has found passion in volunteering for the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention and bringing awareness to mental health and suicide. I'm so excited to have Claire Anderson from Seattle, meteorologist, and welcome to the studio, Claire. Via Zoom.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to do this and talk to you and just be a part of this.
0: Well, we're happy to have you. So we were connected through a mutual friend telling us that we need to meet each other because we share similar stories. And I think that sometimes when we are that outgoing, bubbly, happy person, people don't think that we have things going on behind the smile. But we actually do. And I think that's why we bonded and we found comfort and relief with each other. I'm so excited to have you here with us today, Claire.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to do this and talk to you and just be a part of this.
0: So tell us a little bit what you do in Seattle.
1: Um, So I'm a meteorologist on TV at Cairo 7 News. It's the CBS affiliate here in Seattle. I was actually born and raised here in Seattle. I went to University of Washington and I have been moving around the country for the last eight years doing different TV jobs. And so I ended up back here in Seattle just over two years ago. And it's just been so amazing to be back home to forecast for my city. But then also I feel like when I came home, I was able to really share my story of loss of suicide um, because this is where I grew up and this is where I lost my dad. And I just feel like being back home has been a really good thing for me to heal, to
0: be with my family. And it's also been a really cool experience to be forecasting for home. (laughs) Yay! that sounds good. And and I think that many people see you as Little Miss Sunshine being so outgoing and so happy all the time, which is a part of your job. But when you go home, it always isn't like that. Because sometimes we can be in a room full of people and still feel alone and still feel alone in our thoughts because we don't feel like anybody else understands. And that's really how we got connected is because we understand.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important is, you know, part of my job is to be sunshine, to be happy. You know, Seattle is one of the cloudiest, rainiest cities in the entire country. And I know that seasonal defective disorder is a big thing. My dad suffered from it. He hated the winter here because it is so gray, because it is so cloudy. And so I feel like my job here, especially in Seattle, is to, you know, bring happiness, bring some sort of joy, telling you about rain every single day. And, you know, that is hard because, some days I'm, I'm going through my own personal struggles um, and some days I'm not super happy, but I know I try and be that joy for others because I know what a little difference it can make there. Maybe it's just that connection. Maybe it's one smile that really brightens their day. So not only is it about bringing the weather, but it's bringing optimism and also just happiness to maybe someone who wouldn't find that otherwise. I really enjoy that part about the job.
0: And I can definitely see how you would bring happiness and smiles to so many other people, because you. you do me just just watching you. Your your energy <laughs> is contagious. Thank you. So um, so our mutual friend is Ginger Z, yeah. um, ABC News meteorologist, and she is very open with her struggles with depression and fighting against stigma of suicide and mental health. I call her the tornado through stigma, mm-hmm. and you two bonded. Because of your story. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, I
1: connected with Ginger Z actually through a weather meteorological society for women. And I had a chance to talk to her and I just said, thank you. Thank you for bringing awareness to mental health and suicide awareness because I feel like we're afraid to talk about it as a society. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's scary, it's taboo, it's just something we don't want to touch. And so, I told Ginger, you know, just thank you for bringing it into the light and sharing your own experience, and so that's how we connected, and I just think it's so important that we bring awareness. You know, we're both on TV, and we're forecasting the weather, and that's our job, but I think it's also our job because we have a platform to also share other things that are important with us because we can reach so many people, and it's just crazy how many people are going through the same things or dealing with the same things. Me just sharing it on my platform, not even anywhere near as big as gingers but so many people appreciative of thanks for saying that you know my dad struggled with that or my sister or my grandfather or somebody is always connected and i think it's so important that we use our platform for other things and to help people as well
0: well i'm gonna say thank you to you because i really appreciate your willingness to want to advocate and to want to talk about it and bring the conversation and open it up to your Seattle audience. So thank you. Um, So tell us a little bit. I know it's been about eight years since you lost your dad. And tell us a little bit about how how you're healing and what you're doing to help others understand a little bit more mental health and suicide.
1: Yeah. So my dad passed away November 13th. 2011 I was going into my senior year at the University of Washington here in Seattle I was in a sorority I had all these friends around it was an exciting time and he passed away and I had two decisions to make do I take a step back do I be sad do I go sit in a hole and try and grieve this and understand this or do I keep going and I knew in my heart that my dad would want me to keep going. He wanted me to finish college. He wanted me to have a good time with my friends, to, to do all these things I wanted to do, to not suffer the way that he suffered, to not take on his sadness. And so I think that, you know, everyone grieves differently. And for me, um, it was powering through. And again, everyone can do it differently, however works for them. But for me was to keep going. And I think that's kind of been how I've, been just my entire life is that I need to keep going and I do it to honor him. I do it because I know that he would be so proud of all the things that I've done instead of sitting and going, Oh, I wish my dad was here. Of course I wish that, but I'm doing things that I know that he would be so proud of. And so we have a decision, I think every day to wake up and be happy or to wake up and be sad because we all have sad things. We all have something sad that's happened to us, but it doesn't have to define us. And so as I was growing up and as I was traveling and moving for different cities, you know, it took a long time for me to actually share what happened to my dad. I think people close to me, obviously they knew, but it wasn't until I was back in Seattle and it was Avicii, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, and they had all died of suicide within a few days of each other. And I just got this huge, overwhelming feeling that I needed to share my story, that I needed people to know that I needed to say something. It was kind of like I was being tapped on the shoulder, like, okay, Claire, now's the time to say something. And so I made a post on Facebook, not only my personal page, but also my work Facebook, because I never really talked about it. Um, And it was overwhelming, the support that I had from people just saying, thanks for saying something. I had so many people reaching out that I hadn't no idea that's how your dad died. And to me, I was thinking, what, how did, how'd you not know? But then I realized I had never shared it. Um, so I think that was a really big turning point for me and all the support that I got from sharing it and the relief and uh, just, it was a good feeling. It was like, I was finally sharing something and doing with all these feelings. I wasn't just talking to my mom or my family. Um, and so through that, I started working with the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. I actually spoke in front of, gosh, it must have been a thousand people, the story. And it was really nerve wracking. You know, you're on TV all the time and I'm in front of a camera in front of people. But to share that story was so amazing. And I felt power. Like I know that my dad was so proud of me and he was there with me. So I think that now I would like to um, help break the stigma of it. Because, you know, we're survivors of people who have died of suicide, but we shouldn't be treated any different than anybody else of how someone was lost. And I have felt that a lot um, through people. I don't think they mean to do that. I don't think people are trying to be mean or uneducated, but some of the things that people can say are really, they don't understand. And so I want to help bring awareness of how do you deal with it? How do you talk about it? And how do we prevent this from happening in the future?
0: Yes, absolutely. And that that is truly my mission as well. So I find it interesting because so often when somebody loses someone to suicide, they don't want to talk about it and they don't want to share it. What was it about the way that your dad died that didn't really allow you to share it? The word that comes up is I want to say shame
1: um, at first because People didn't know how to respond. People didn't know what to say to me. It was like as if I had said he died of cancer. He died of a car accident. Somehow it would have been better and better for other people to understand. It had nothing to do with me. It was how were other people going to respond to it. And I think that was the scary part for me is what are they going to think about my dad? What are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about this whole situation? And what are they going to say? Which I look back now and I'm going... It doesn't really matter what anyone else has to say, but in that time, it just was a really weird situation to bring up and talk about because people were uncomfortable with it. And I think I finally just was like, we need to talk about this because why is it not okay for me to not talk about how my dad died of suicide, but if somebody else's dad died of cancer or their mom or an accident or any illness, any accident, It shouldn't be any different. And that's the problem. And that's what really gets me um, fired up is because we're treated kind of differently. And I don't think it should be that way because, you know, the brain and mental health is just as important as heart health, lung health, digestion, all of those things. And we shouldn't be shamed because we lost someone that way.
0: You're absolutely right. And I, I love the your passion behind it, because I can see that it's very heartfelt. And what's really interesting to me, too, is that, you know, we have very different stories, very different lives. We live in opposite ends of the country. But yet, we still have those same feelings and those same experiences when it comes to suicide, because everything that you have said how you felt, I felt that way. And that is behind my smile, to get people to open up, to talk about it so we can normalize the conversation. And I think the other night when we talked, we talked about, you know, changing the definition and you just were shaking your head. Yes, yes, yes. You know, we need to stop talking about the act and start talking about the illness and recognizing it just as you said like any other illness and let's not be judged or let's not be shamed for how our loved ones have passed the shame also comes with and i think people ask why
1: were they so depressed what was wrong with him you didn't see it why didn't you get him help you know how did they die?" all these questions we're living through that you know i've had a lot of different questions asked to me and i think that is also the scary part is no one to ask oh well, what happened to their liver what happened to their lungs? You know, like, but some, for some reason we feel like we can ask like, why, why were they so depressed? And you're like, I I don't know. Don't you think I like tried to help and that I feel this guilt, you know? And, And again, as a suicide survivor, it's not our fault, but we take that on. Could we have done something? Could I have said something different? Could I have called, could I, you know, all these different things. So we're going through that. And I just think that like, not only as survivors, it's hard processing that, but then also having other people having to process that is a lot.
0: It is so much. And, it, and for me, it made me fearful to even kind of leave my house. And I call it the turtle syndrome, where I would move out slow to stick my head out, look around. And then as soon as I saw somebody give me like that look of, oh, there she is, or I heard somebody whisper, I'd go back in and not want to come out for a while. So there, there is a lot of a lot of shame that goes with that but now with us trying to change it and change that conversation and if we can look at suicide mental health brain health illnesses as illnesses then we know they're all treatable they're all preventable but yet they can also be terminal you know My husband did everything he could to fight his depression. His depression won. He didn't choose depression. He didn't choose to end his life. The illness won. And I think that's the important way and reason why we have to talk about it as we're talking about it, which is why I appreciate you and your willingness to put yourself out there and start that conversation.
1: Uh, Everything you just said is, is so, so true. You know, my dad struggled with it. I know from a very young age, you know, I think he grew up in a really tumultuous household, which didn't help, Um, you know, then depression, addiction, alcoholism, just trying to make you feel better, you know, and I think there's a lot of other things that go along with depression, and I know he didn't want to be that way, because I would get glimpses, you know, he definitely had his ups and downs, and I would see that good person, and I would see the positive person. And then you would get glimpses of the sad, depressed person. And as a child growing up, I didn't know what to do, but I knew the difference. And I also have to say, as growing up, I was always afraid that my dad was going to die. Always afraid he was going to die of suicide. I didn't know that that was the word, but I was always afraid that he would kill himself. As a child, I was always afraid because he would say things to me which Was not him. I think that was the depression speaking, not the positive, amazing person I remember, but saying, Well, maybe I shouldn't be here. Well, maybe you'd have a better life without me. Maybe, maybe I'm too much for you. You know, all these different things. And as a child, I didn't understand. I didn't understand. And I remember just telling my dad always, Just wait. Just wait, dad. Wait. Wait till I'm older and I can make things better. Wait till I'm older and I can fix your life. I can have money to help you. I can have a home for you to be at. And I know he didn't want that. So I think it's really important to just, you know, to realize that they don't want this.
0: No different than anybody chooses heart disease or cancer or diabetes. But I think that for a young child, that is a lot to put on you to have that that worry. And I'm sure that that concerned him as well. So You recently spoke to, you said, a thousand people. Tell us about that experience and who was that with again?
1: The American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. And you know what's crazy is that so also college, college was a great time, but also a really uh, sad time. Uh, The year actually before my dad died, I lost my sorority sister, Carly Henley, to suicide. And she, we we were door greeters together, uh, for sorority recruitment. So it's Claire and Carly, the blondes, welcome, you know, to Delta Gamma. And I mean, this is a week before she died and she was beautiful. She played the guitar. She went to church. She had an amazing family. I mean, she looked like the picture perfect college kid on the outside. And when we found out that she died and that she died of suicide, we were shook. I mean, There was no way for us to wrap our heads around, how could she do this? This doesn't make sense, you know? And I think that's also a huge thing is it doesn't always come off as a big, dark cloud. Oh, no. People can hide it really, really well. And that is a huge example of that. And I actually walked in the the out-of-the-darkness walk for suicide prevention for Carly a year before my dad died. Um, My sorority went and we walked for her. And it just it's kind of crazy full circle, because when I came back to Seattle, I had a friend and she was putting the organization together and she said, "Hey, would you want to speak at it?" I thought, "Me, you want me to speak?" And I was like, "You know what? Yeah, I would love to do that." And so it was just so exhilarating and also um, it felt good to share this story and to look down at the group of all these people that have been through something similar to me. It was heartbreaking. Because I know that we were all here for the same reason, which was not a good thing. I wish that we could bring all those people back. But to be comforted in finding, hey, I'm not alone in this. And this happens to other people. So let's talk about it. So speaking in front of the people, I I was nervous. But I also felt the sense of power because I was taking back the power of my voice. Instead of hiding and being afraid And not being able to speak of like, no, I'm going to tell you and let's make a difference. And I also, you know, something that came up when I was writing that was, I don't know about you, but I hear people say a lot, oh, gosh, I would rather die than do that test. Yeah. Oh, I just want to die today because, oh, just shoot myself because this sucks. That is impacts me yeah I don't know if if you hear that yeah but I want people to know like hey you don't know who's standing next to you and you say that that's triggering for me because I would give anything to have the person who died and you're just saying I'd rather die than walk to the corner I'd rather die than like I really want to stop that because it hits me in my core but I don't think people know what they're saying I don't think they realize Them saying that is really triggering and for other people. Um, So I really challenge people there, too, is to just, like, let's change the way we talk about things and the things
0: we say. That's one of my passions for sure. And the the passion, it it just illuminates from you. And I, I just really see you going far with with you sharing your story. And and you know, when we talk about things that people say, I mean, ignorance, right? And, and for a long time that those comments really got to me, but then I realized, you know, they hadn't been there, so they couldn't possibly know. So that's why it's even more important that we talk about it so they do know. But speaking of ignorance, and religion can be a very sensitive topic, but I think it's important that we also share something else that somebody shared with you, a comment that they made.
1: Yeah. Someone pretty close to me, I was speaking at one of the suicide prevention events and I was there at a fundraiser and I had someone say to me, you know, if your dad had just found Jesus, he wouldn't have committed suicide. And that was so striking to me. Someone close to me could say that to me because First, I don't think they meant it with ill intent. I don't think that they were trying to say it as mean or rude. But I just thought, what? There's so much more to this. And you can't just say that a religion or a book or, you know, could that have helped? Yes. Could that have helped? I don't know how. But to say to somebody, well, if your dad would have just found this, he wouldn't have done that. Is so, um, it was really upsetting for me.
0: I've had very similar experiences, too. And I think that it is so upsetting because, you know, one thing that comments that were made to me is your husband went to hell for killing himself. And and it took me a lot to to process that and get get through that. And I think that when we can truly look at mental health, brain health illnesses, right, illnesses, illnesses can be terminal. Illnesses are not choices. We're not going to look, I mean, yes, is there power of prayer? Yes, whatever your God is, if you believe in Jesus or whoever you believe in can help get you through, absolutely. But don't be on that pedestal where you're telling people what's happened to your loved one, to somebody else's loved one.
1: And that was, I think, the hardest part was they didn't know the story and all the things we had been through. And just by saying, you know, it's like, this is so much more than just picking up a book. This is years of depression, years of addiction, years of problems. And I think we would all like to think it's that easy. Well, if you just picked up the book and read it, then you'd be, they would have been fixed and fine. It's just, I think it's that naivety in the ignorance, not in a mean way. Cause I, again, I don't think people are trying to be malicious, but it just, it really hurts and it really stings. And so I think that as a huge thing is we need to talk about like, hey, there's more to this. Like you said, people don't just choose this out of the blue. People don't just decide one day that, hey, I'm going to do this. This is a long battle and they feel there is nothing left they can do, which there's always something you can do. There's always somebody out there, but they get so low into a place where they feel so alone. And then to say, well, if they would have just done this, right? as if, well, yeah. Wish they would have known that, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's a huge passion of mine too, is just let's, it's not a one fix all. No. It's not a one thing is, would have fixed them. There's a lot of things and we need to look at
0: all of those. It's knowledge, it's education, it's support. So, so let's hear something that helped you. What has been the most helpful thing or the most words of wisdom that has helped you through this? I think
1: knowing my dad is watching. And it like makes me want to tear up because I know he would be so proud. He was that dad who was like, hey, hey, you see that one out there that just scored? That's my daughter. You see her? That's her. So I know he's up wherever he's at going, hey, look, that's my daughter. She's on TV right now. Do you see her? He would get, I'm not kidding, this whole city to turn on Cairo 7 to watch me. And so I live knowing how proud he is of me, how proud he would be. Um, Just that, you know, I didn't stop. I didn't stop because this happened to me. Yeah, it happened. But I'm going to keep going and use it as fuel, as energy to continue to be that daughter that he saw me as and to be that person that I am, to be that positive person. And I think that's hard too as people go, wow, Claire, you're so positive and optimistic and you've been through all this and you can still do that. And it's like, yeah, it's because I make a choice. I make a choice. And there's been some sucky things that have happened to me and they're like, every day I think about him every day, you know, but we all have a choice to make on if we're going to make this a sucky day or a happy day. And my dad would want me to have a great day. He would want me to succeed. He would want me to just do everything I can. And then also bring awareness and help other people because he always helped people. So for me, that is what gets me through. That's what helps me. And of course my mom, like, you know, it was me and my mom and my dad, I'm an only child, and. Um, So we were kind of like the three musketeers. We were this trio. And so I know my mom went through a lot more than I did with my dad. I think she actually saved me from seeing a lot of the hard Mm -hmm. stuff. And so I can't even imagine, you know, the things that she's been through. Um, But I find a lot of comfort in speaking to my mom and then also speaking to other people who knew my dad really before all the depression because they, you know, when he passed away, they said, Claire, you know, this wasn't him. Yeah. He was so smart and so bright and he had so many things going for him. And I'm so sorry you never got to see him at his brightest because he was amazing. And so for me, that is just like, that makes me feel good. So I guess that's how I keep going every day and just knowing he's watching and cheering going, hey, hey, watch, watch, watch. He
0: would brag to me about me and I'd say, dad, stop, stop. He's saying, hey, Claire Bear, right? Yeah, Claire, you are a ray of sunshine. And you are going to spread awareness. You're going to help change the conversation. You're going to bring a lot of people some much-needed understanding. But you're so inspiring as well. And I know that you're going to do this. And I can't thank you enough for joining me today on Behind the Smile because it it's such a meaningful topic and conversation. And I'm hoping that, you know, when it comes live, we can share it and we can get some more talk out there in seattle and and hopefully we'll be able to do some more things in the future but thank you so much for joining us today thank you i'm
1: honored to be on here to talk to you to share my story and to make people smile and to help people to know it's okay to be happy it's okay to be
0: excited and optimistic and that it's a choice every day yep awesome we'll talk to you soon okay Judgment and fear of what others may think of us often makes us hide behind the smile. But once we are set free of our own truth, our story, we begin to realize we are not alone. Claire and I have two totally different life stories, yet once we shared our own losses with each other, our feelings of what we went through were exactly the same. We were no longer alone. We knew there would be no judgment. We knew our loved ones weren't defined by how they died, but were loved for how they lived. Special thanks to Claire for her willingness to share as she is and will continue to be an inspiration to others on her journey of life after a suicide loss. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-TALK. Or text HOME to 741-741. Special thanks to Stuart Poltrock and Soundpost Studios for making us sound so good. And also, we love Big B Coffee during our podcast sessions. Thank you for allowing us to buy one, give one, to start the conversation.